Welcome back to From Backseat Football Cup. Keep it in. <laughs> yeah, fuck it. We're just going to be welcome back to this is take two i've almost fumbled it but we're not going to take three so we're just going to carry on moving the season's over the fa cup final is over manchester city's treble dream is still going there's some europa league nonsense to go through jack's grimacing it's going to be one of the worst intros you've probably ever done but oh well i don't care and you shouldn't either jack how are you (laughs) oh good mate that's just a gift i wasn't expecting i (laughs) I can't wait to listen to that one back. <laughs> oh, it's just I, I, honestly, he's not going to want to continue with that. Just straight, away, straight off the bat. I love that. You don't I hear mean, that often. Not... Polished podcast, polished content all the time. This is this is very real. This is very much one take, one touch, whatever that take is. I just forgot the podcast name. I think oh, I was just so excited to say that line that I just I said it too fast and then I just threw myself <laughs> off really. So. Yeah, but there you go. If you like that intro, give us a thumbs up, right? Send us in the chats. Now, we're back. The season's over. I'm just repeating myself. (laughs) We're doing it slightly different today. We've got the FA Cup to go through, the Europa League, not the conference, to go through, um, and a little bit of controversy surrounding that. And then we've got the Heroes and Villains feature where we're handpicking a few teams, basically the best teams, (laughs) and uh, just choosing a hero for each one but you know why because we're running out of things to do so that's why we're doing that but we're going to start with the FA Cup final and I'm going to set the scene Wembley is electric Manchester United Manchester City a big derby between two big rivals what happens 15 seconds Manchester City won Man U nil talk to me Jack talk to me what a goal first and foremost what a goal Gundogan is he's the best player in the world right now isn't he He's actually He's the best so player in the world. There's, He's so clutch, there's no more that needs to be said. It's, I mean, it was just, it was a ridiculous goal. It made me, you know, sometimes you see goals and you make like an involuntary noise where you're just like, ooh. ooh yeah. Oh, yeah. Just one of them. And you're like, that is yeah. actually, that's filthy. Outside of the box volley, just smashes it in after about 14 seconds. You think, that's it. Game over. It's done. Man City are going to win 4-0. And I don't know why we expected anything different. So in that regard, it was quite nice that it was a moderately competitive game, I'd say. I think Man United were a bit Yeah, I agree. As we'll I get on soon, United, but... You know, they, 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 they gave it a good effort. There were some, you know, controversial decisions, which we'll come on to. But for a whole, at least Man United gave them a game. I think a lot of people after that yes. first goal went in. Probably expecting 3 0, 4 0, like you say. Um, and City certainly didn't look as ruthless as they have done. I feel like it was more like their no. the last couple of two games. Their eyes are definitely on Istanbul next week, it seems. Yeah, I'd agree with that. It's a funny one, isn't it? Because they haven't actually won for the last two games, which for them is basically like 10 games. Maybe they're just a little bit, just a little bit out of practice, you know? There is there is something to be said for just being consistent and just winning and getting in that that sort of rhythm, and they're they're not in that at the moment. But am I worried? Of course I'm not. They're obviously going to win next week. They are going to bar win. some sort they of miracle. But at least Manchester United turned up and did themselves justice um, and tried to stop the treble the treble bids happening. Um, even though that treble is now one win away, I wonder how that feels as a Man United fan. Because a lot of your personality and legacy is sort of based around 
treble winners in 99, you know? It's like Liverpool fans, it's like Istanbul 2005, Arsenal, the Invincibles, mm. you know, you've got like that, that corner piece of history that just separates you from everyone else. And mm. I wonder what it's like having City as your rivals, like so close to matching it. Must be really, really, really painful. I think a lot of sleepless nights for Man United fans this week in the build-up to it. More than City fans. I'd argue that a lot of United fans are probably quite happy that it's happening, considering how much they've been cheering on City this season, hoping that they win the league. And, you know, it doesn't surprise me that United let them win yesterday because I think they're all City fans at this point, judging by what's happened this season on Twitter. I don't know about you. What, just, just Manchester? Manchester... Manchester yeah. greater United. Manchester greatness, isn't it? It's anyone, anyone but the Manchester coalition. Yeah. Manchester. yeah. They basically up, have that. Do you know what I mean? Uh, a lot of vocal Man United fans wanted City to win the league. So you reap what you sow, lads. You know, because now they're going to take your title as the best English team ever. Um, you can't have it both ways. And life comes at you fast. That is, that is actually so funny. Because, yeah, they were. There was like, there's nothing worse than Arsenal winning the league. It'll be unbearable. And now. Here we are, City are gonna a couple months treble. later, and it's getting a whole lot worse. It's getting a whole lot worse. And I think the funny. City team may go down as one of the best ever. You think of that midfield, Gundogan, Rodri, Kevin De Bruyne. There's no, there's mm. no, there's no midfield that rivals that in, in European football at the moment for me. You could argue Madrid, but Modric is getting on a little bit now. And without Modric, you know, Tony Cruz isn't at his peak of his powers, although he's still a top player. Um, Chua Meni's had a bit of a... Do you know what I mean? Like, there's actually no... There's no midfield for me that's 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 on the level of cities. And I think their midfield is what carries them. Yeah. Now, there is one player on United side that we should talk about. His name is David De Gea. And if anyone listens mm. to this pod, they'll know that we're quite big fans of Dave. We think Dave has done a solid job for, for United throughout his time there. He arguably could have at least moved for the first one, but I don't think you can say much. Now, the second goal... Yes, okay, he definitely should have saved that. He was unsighted, mm-hmm. so again, that played a part. But be- beyond the goals, his kicking is a real problem for what Man United want to do. You compare it to Edison playing it out from the back yes. with confidence. David De Gea was just blindly sending it upfield, and then City would just get the ball and just go on the attack again. And I think when you're in United's position against the best team on the ball in world football, no hyperbole, can't really have a goalie doing that, to be honest. Just the siege comp- possession, the moment that, you know, he gets the ball and then seed it back to City. You're just asking for them to, to run at you. So, what are your thoughts on that? I think that's fair. I think, yeah, his shot stopping is his main thing and he let in two goals without really moving. So, it's not a great look because he's not bringing as much to the table outside of those those elements. I just think it's a bit of a sad way for him to go out, really. Just looking a bit a bit silly because he's got a very good legacy at Man United, but mm. I think that'll be that now. I don't think there'll be many Man United fans who disagree with letting him go. He's on quite a lot of money. I think he's on like 250, 300k a week still. 350, so, mate, 350. Oh, I didn't want to say it because I wasn't sure if it was that high. But he's on a lot of money and I think it's just a natural, natural conclusion. Man United are going a different direction. He's not a great fit. And he'll be remembered more fondly once he's gone. Once he's, you know, yeah. making mistakes, basically, and he's out the firing line. He's a good goalkeeper. I just don't really know where he, where he goes, really. He's just he's just really unfortunate to be at this point where he's actually available on a free. He's still the same goalie he was, but football's just moved on. 
I mean, it was only like four years ago that Man, in- Man United, what, rejected Real Madrid for a technicality. He could have won four Champions Leagues since then. You know, he could his whole mm. career could be so different. Now he's just going to be there, knocking around. It's not even PSG to like save him and just pick him up for the sake of it. I don't, I don't know where he goes. I have no idea. I reckon Burnley. Why Burnley? Why not? You know, even Burnley play fucking out of the back now. No companies come in, so so sitting in Burnley. Exactly, it's a sad indictment, isn't it? I have no idea. Italy's probably the only shout. Or maybe he'll just maybe he'll just go rogue, mate. Maybe he'll just go to Saudi Arabia. They seem to be going big well, at the moment, trying to get everyone. So yeah, you can't rule it out anymore after Benzema officially has left Madrid for a two hundred million year deal with a is that, is that official in Saudi? Official today, confirmed by Real Madrid. Oh my yeah. god! I mean, mate, two hundred million crazy. thirty-five, thirty-six. Why the fuck would you not do that? Right. Yeah, I do, I do remember reading the terms of that, and it was like, pick pick whatever club you want. We don't give a fuck about the competition no. of the league. Just please join the league for anyone. anyone 100 mil for a year's work. Put that in context. There's no he put, The max he was probably on at Madrid was probably just under 20 million euros a year. So you think that's 10 years' work at a top club for one season in the Saudi league at the end of your career? I mean, it's, it's a no-brainer. It's, it's, oh, it's I think we can see a lot of there superstars is- going there now. Potentially. This has the feeling of China, though, where it's like these sums are so ridiculous that surely it can't last, can't be sustainable for the long term. It's different, though, isn't it? Different. Like, they have the money. They have the fucking money, the Saudis. Mm. But no, it's, it's not about hard. that. It's about the FA Cup. It's about the FA Cup. <laughs> we need to talk about the FA Cup. Now, United Tangent. got themselves back in the game with a rather controversial penalty. Now, obviously, Paul Tierney was um, refereeing the game. Now, I'm only pointing that out because Paul Tierney is so fucking biased towards Man United, it's untrue. And this penalty really sums up because I don't know what else you're supposed to do. It's just Grealish wasn't even looking at the ball. His hand, you can't you can't pencil jump in football. I know like on replays no. his hand comes up, but like guys, that's natural. You, you do, no one jumps with just their heads like a pencil. You have to retrain yourself. It's just it's nonsense. But they've given it a penalty. It's a very right? good point. They should just they should just do a sample. At the start of the season, they should release a release a video that just shows here are all the natural jumps. This is what a natural jump looks like for all these different scenarios. And so when it happens, you're like that's a natural jump. Makes sense to me. Because you're right, an unnatural, if it hits his arm by his side and he's a pencil, that's unnatural. So by the laws, that should be a pen, not this. Yeah, uh, exactly. It's not a pen. But... It's not a pen in my book. And compared with other games that we're going to talk about, very contentious to give this one as a pen because it just looked like nothing to me. No one was even appealing for it. Oh, it's the crazy you know, part. Cool. He just Desperate. decided to get Desperate. involved, didn't he? Honestly, David Coote up me, in the me, VAR me. booth as well. Just desperate to get Man United back in the game somehow. So we'll just give him a dodgy pen. Also bear in mind that De Bruyne got tripped up by, I believe, Juan Bissaka, which mm-hmm. looks like an absolute pen, which wasn't given. Funny that. Nothing to do with Paul's allegiances. Absolutely not. There is no conspiracy there, guys. There really isn't. Um, so yeah, hard done by. 1-1. One, one. You feel like United probably could have... You know, taking it to, to City after that. It would have buoyed your confidence somewhat. Uh, and there were a couple of half chances. There were, weren't there, for United? Yeah. You can't say that. They got, a... they got run over. 
No, there, there was an effort from Varane and like I think someone hit the post. It wasn't it wasn't too bad to be honest. It wasn't like the best game. FA Cup finals rarely are the best game. But mm. yeah, City are just better. And one man in particular who's currently greatest player in world football, Gundogan, just scored what can only be described as an almost equally as mind boggling goal with his left foot instead of his right. Another volley from mm. outside the box from a set piece. It's actually ridiculous. He's so good at football. I don't understand why they're allowing him to run down his contracts when he's able to do this at the critical part of the season. Like, he wants to leave City a treble winner. He wants to secure his legacy as probably, like, maybe their, like, third greatest ever player at this point, maybe after company and De Bruyne. Because like, if he's a treble he winner... won't get the Bruyne. And he's won David Silva... Yeah, Aguero, I, Company. I know. It's, it's, it's but a deemed country actual, these days within City. If he wins a treble this season and he's played a massive part in the title, the FA Cup, and you're not going to rule out him getting the winning goal in the Champions League, are you? He's got to be. Oh, I mean, this season, I feel like there's an appreciation for Gundogan. Apparently, the rumours are his reason for running down the contract is he he feels that if he were to continue in the Premier League, it would shorten his career because of the rigours of the league football, which is mm. kind of how physically intense it is. And that feels like a smart decision from a footballer who is obviously, you know, quite informed on on this kind of stuff and is quite conscious, you know, and you would you would attribute that to Gundogan, right? He's always struck me as an intelligent guy and looks at the yeah. bigger picture. So I, I reckon it's one of those ones where it's like, look, Gundogan, Pep loves you. You know, you, you, you have your say-so on what you want to do. And also, there's an argument that, like, yes, you want to keep your best players, but the best teams can continuously recycle and there's new cycles every time. And, you know, like, I, I feel like City wouldn't be a worse team if they did let him go. And I think this is the perfect one song for, for Gundogan if he does choose to leave. So, mm, it's, it's a nice way win, isn't it? it? Yeah, that's a good way of looking at it, to be fair. You want to be ahead when it comes to, like, squad squad building. You want to replace people before it's noticeable they need to be replaced. That does make mm-hmm. some sense. I wonder if he's gonna. Mm-hmm. I wonder if he's gonna have his head turned and join Arsenal because that is a bit of a theme. And I'm sure I read some rumours that Arsenal were interested in him. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Like, it just doesn't get, make sense. If you're gonna leave City, why the fuck would you join Arsenal? Like, if, if you're gonna stay in the Premier League, you'd just sign on for City, wouldn't you? Like, if you're gonna go. It's a good point, and I don't know the answer, but. It's easy gossip rumours, so let's run with them. In the good to Arsenal. Yeah. You heard I mean, it I'll take him. Even at 32, I'd take him. Oh, so there you go. Unreal. 2-1 City. Trebles on. They're all very happy. Greenish was getting on the piss in the dressing room. Um, and you just wouldn't think, yeah, you just, you expect them to win the treble. It's as simple as that. But I mean, before we move on to the other final this week, I see you've got a note here about the empty seats at Wembley. It's something I noticed as well. It's got to be corporate, isn't it? It's every year now. It's got to be just corporate corporate tickets. It does look like it's corporate. It's quite shameful, I think. Like, it's okay. Look, sometimes things happen. People don't come when it's a corporate booking. You know, they have to reschedule a meeting or whatever. Or other things come up. But fundamentally, having empty seats at what is supposed to be the showcase Showcase. UK final of football... It's, it's just a really bad look. It should be, there should be a rebalancing, right? Just 
pluck the corporate seats or halve them, give them to school kids if you have to. doesn't really matter. But it's a worrying trend that fans will slowly get pushed out of live football as they make room for more corporate sponsorship, more corporate boxes, more bods that don't really care until it's just all the FIFA boys there, if they want to be, basically. Well, that's and, what it yeah, is, Yeah, I just it? don't just like it. It's all the FA boys. It's all the FA boys just just there in their seats and they're not turning up. I guess it's on the day they're just not turning up because you feel like the FA are conscious that it doesn't look great and it's happened quite a few years in a row now. Um, mm-hmm. They just need to reduce the amount but again, it's just all this lobbying, the politics, the corruption. You know, it's favour seats, isn't it? It's people in the FA giving up these seats as a favour in the hope of some sort of favour back one day and and yeah, it's just the football fan that get screwed. But I mean, despite the empty seats, I still felt like the, the atmosphere was electric. City fans came out with a good voice. And I know it's a derby, so you'd expect that. But I just feel like it's not the most heated derby in football just because they've been worlds apart recently. And hey, Liverpool, no, it's United, definitely not. The worst derby. 100%. Even Arsenal, Arsenal, Man United, there's history there, genuine history. Mm. I, think, I, think, I just think no one knows how to deal with City. That's part of it. Although I think Liverpool have a good derby with City because we've got a bit of modern history, a lot of like mm-hmm. clashes. I think we've built something up there. Those games are always quite spicy, but it is quite interesting that Man United would rather see City win everything than Liverpool or Arsenal. Says it all. Says it all about the modern United fan, but I've slandered them enough for the last couple of pods, so I'll let them off. So let's move on. Europa League, final. Sevilla, the perennial champions of fucking Oh, they're Mourinho's unbelievable. Roma. It's unbelievable, isn't it? It was, was going to happen like this anyway. Obviously, it's a mm-hmm. stodgy 1-1. You thought maybe Mourinho might have had a masterclass. Nope, it's just part of the bus football, which he so loves. Um, and Sevilla have been pretty trash this season, truth be told. But this is Sevilla's season. And I put myself through two hours of this contest. And I have to say, it wasn't the most exciting game. Um, it wasn't. It really wasn't the most exciting game. I don't know there what you you're expecting, though, mate. When Mourinho's involved in a final, it's not usually a good game. It's a it's a war of attrition. Um, all the talk build-up, or all the talk in advance of the game was just that Sevilla have won every Europa League final they've ever been in. And Mourinho's won every European final he's ever been in. Five apiece. So something had to give, which is wild. And, yeah, in the end, it wasn't that interesting. But there were some like, interesting talking points outside of the football, I'd say, more than anything. Mm. I think there were broader talking points that involved the referees, the managers, and some very contentious decisions. But partial minds at the beginning of the game, pre-match, in the week building up to this game, Mourinho was like just doing his normal thing, talking about Dybala, saying, like, oh, he's very injured, probably not going to play this game. Might play like you know 20 minutes at the end. Obviously, Dybala starts immediately. And just carries on and scores scores the opener. I just think like even in this age of like all the information online, it's so funny to realise that those surprises can still happen. That's the thing with Mourinho though, isn't it? Is that behind all the shithousery, I just really fucking like him. Like he's such a good character within world football. Mm-hmm. I mean he's he, he's past his best. You know, he's definitely past his best. I think post United we've seen the drop off of Jose and football's gone mm-hmm. past him this, you know, tactical acumen, but I hope he continues gracing us with his antics, but there is controversy surrounding Mourinho. Um, so there were some controversial decisions within the game. 
I can't really remember what they were. I think it was a dodgy penalty call that either wasn't given or was given. I think it wasn't given. Yeah. So I can give you I can give you a sort of breakdown of what exactly went on. Um some of it I, I can understand the frustration if I'm gonna be honest. So for example, there was an initial penalty given against Roma for a foul, which was overturned by VAR, which was the correct decision. So nothing to get annoyed about. That was actually a very logical, good implementation of VAR. And then later on in the second half, deep into the second half, there's a Roma cross that comes in, hits someone's arm. The arm is by side, but it's a bit, you know, it's a bit out. To me, stonewall penalty. I don't really understand how it wasn't given. What, worse, it was than, like worse than Greenish's in the FA Cup? Far worse. Far worse for me. Far, far worse. Like, just blatant, obvious. It was the same as um, when Mane got a penalty against Tottenham in the final, you know? Arguably, I'd say more of a penalty. Worse Because he had that. a good, like, yeah. second or two, you know? It's not like they were next to each other. There was quite a big gap. I have no idea why that wasn't given as a penalty, if I'm honest. But Michael... Uh, what's his name? Anthony Taylor. He's he's not a good referee. He's not. Not really he? sure what why he's doing this final. He's not a good referee. Um, and then during the penalties, Sevilla three one up. This is the penalty to win it, um, and it's saved or it hits the post. I can't remember. And then there's a very minor encroachment from the goalie. They clock onto it, retake it, and then Sevilla win. So it's those two points that have gone against Roma that have caused Mourinho to lose his shit and wait in the car park. Just like the meme. Just like the meme. Just wait in the car park and then just start ranting and raving at Anthony Taylor. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he did recreate the meme, which is classic Jose. And uh, also quoted the famous, you're a fucking disgrace from Drogba all those years ago in that semi-final between Chelsea and Barca. So it was nice. It was enjoyable. It was... Knowing what happened after that, he's obviously set the precedent and Mourinho mm-hmm. should know that his influence spreads far and wide. You know, the Roma fans absolutely adore him and you know, it was only going to be interpreted one way. You shouldn't, as a manager, go chase down the officials in the car park to, you know, abuse them. Tensions were high. Emotions were high. And at that point, you know, if that had been everything, then it would just be another classic Hosey episode. He might have got a slap on the wrist, but kind of no harm done. The problem is that when Anthony Taylor and his wife, which is unfortunate, were trying to leave the country via the airport, they were mobbed by Roma fans. Mm-hmm. I saw some chairs being thrown. It was it was nasty business, and I shouldn't have laughed. I shouldn't laugh. Um, nah, it's it's a natural reaction though. Like you laugh initially, that is like meme culture, and then you're like, oh, this is actually this is actually pretty bad. It's actually pretty nasty. So you think like, without being too stereotypical, Roma fans, Lazio fans are known for like fatal fan violence historically so having those fans terrorizing your family would be truly like shocking make you reconsider your whole career after that you know is it really worth Mm. it when i'm getting this much abuse that my family is actually in genuine danger it was bad and you're right Mourinho sets a precedent and he does have history of doing this you know normalizing Mm. extremely bad behavior and making it acceptable for a load of idiots who think, oh, well, we're part of the siege mentality, it. isn't it? Yeah, exactly. He, he brings you in, but it's pretty <laughs> inexcusable. And no one will, nothing will happen. He's not going to get punished for it. He knows the rules by now. He's old enough and wise enough to know it's far enough away from him. He'll be like, nothing to do with me. I didn't tell them to do that. And he's right. 
but yeah. it's not about that. It's about being a role model. It's worth saying as well is that no matter how poor a referee's decision is, there's no there's no universe where they deserve to get attacked and mobbed with their family. Um, and you know, Anthony Taylor didn't make horrific mistakes. He just made you know he made some mistakes in the big final. Um, now, though, do you think it's now time that we mic up the referees so that? So this is my thinking. To avoid this kind of situation, I think what Riles plans up is they don't understand how a decision's been made. I think if the referees associations across Europe, across the world, right, mm-hmm. just did what they did in rugby, just mic them up, right? You know, mic up the VAR officials, stop letting them hide behind something, and then there'll be a bit more accountability in terms of their decision-making, and maybe it would just kind of placate people that are perhaps otherwise angry. Um, they do it in rugby, so we, uh, this isn't, this isn't crazy. They've done it in a rugby for decades, you know, and I know that they treat the referee better in rugby, but I do feel mm-hmm. that if those decision makings were actually, you know, vocalised so you could hear it in game, then people would be like, okay, well, at least that's their thinking. Because at the moment, it's just like, what the hell's going on? Just get riled up. Yeah. Um, and these mistakes, you know, refereeing has been so poor in the Premier League this year. So, so poor. You know, like, there's been some awful mistakes and you felt VAR was going to sort it out, but just feels like the levels got worse so i hope there's learnings on both yeah. sides and that's not me blaming the referee i'm just saying that w- we may see more stuff like this if the refereeing level stays so poor and there's kind of no answers afterwards as to how they've made a decision that to many people who watch it is a mistake right um what do you think that would help personally yeah i think i think it's a really good opportunity i mean they could just trial it in the conference league for example they mm-hmm. could trial it in one competition which has a no effect, no, uh, yeah, lesser impact. If you watch the if clip, decisions aren't critical, but it helps humanize the referee as well, you know, like, yeah, because the... I think when you don't agree with something, at least if you understand why it's that way, you can still disagree, but it definitely takes the edge off stuff. If you can understand, you'd be like, okay, I can see how you got there. I don't agree, but at least it makes sense now to me why you've made that decision. You can kind of make exactly. peace of it if you know the motive exactly. behind stuff. Yeah. And, you know, like I feel like, yeah, you know, referees, I don't know. I don't, yeah, we're just evolving. And if you're going to bring VAR in, then, you know, the next step is to bring, you know, I want to say accountability, but it's not accountability. It's just kind of more context on, on, on decision-making, which may help, mm-hmm. you know, just cross that divide between referees being just the ultimate evil um, but that, that being said, Anthony Taylor should never have been near a European final. Um, and he's... <laughs> yes, he's not very good at his job, but unfortunately, the standard refereeing is poor and they've added more complications than ever. So the decisions are always going to be bad in hindsight. Make the job more complicated, scare people off from the job at the same point, and you get underqualified people trying to do too much. So we need to make their lives easier. And then we'll get better referees and then we'll have more accountability and it will all work out. Agreed. Agreed. If we stop hiring them for Manchester as well, that'd be fab. So there you go. Severe win. What is what? Their millionth Europa League since it was formed. The fifth um, win in 10 years, bro. Fifth win in 10 nuts. years. It's nuts. It's nuts. It's actually insane. The severe cycle just continues, right? Just do bad in the league, win the Europa League. Go to Champions League, get knocked out of the Champions League to Biden League. It's just a never ending cycle for Sevilla. And well done. They've monopolized, they've monopolized it. And I respect that. So congratulations, Sevilla. Commiserations, Roma. 
We're going to take a break, and then when we're back, we're going to do some heroes and villains from the Premier League. Welcome back to From the Back Seat Football Podcast. We have got a new section now, uh, Heroes and Villains. We thought we, we could do winner and loser, but it's more funny this way. Um, and we're trying to do some that are outside the box, right? But sometimes, like with all end of season awards, we've all watched the season. It's very hard to deviate from what is an extremely obvious um, winner. Um, so what we've done is for this for this episode we're going to do the top half of the table and then next week's episode we're going to do the bottom half of the table as well as Champions League so stuff to look forward to if your team had a bad season you'll have to shoot it next week but if your team had a good season and you support Man City we're going to start with them because we're doing it in table order so for me, so I've taken Man City. I've been the hero. I just think it can't be anyone else, unfortunately. It has to be Erling Haaland. And that's really boring. And I really hate that that's my answer. But that is the truth. Like, he's he's quite be, funny. He's a ruthless robot. And we've never seen anything like it in the Prem. 52 goals and nine assists in 51 games. And he's just made a mockery of our entire league. And single-handedly won probably at least 10, 12 games this season just from being him. He's made City better. Some would say worse. It's very hard to say. Depends on what happens in the Champions League final. But a hat-trick against Inter feels like kind of the perfect end to a perfect debut season. And you wouldn't bank against it. So even if his transfer fee, which is apparently well over 100 mil, because his dad got about 30 mil and his agent got about 30 mil, it's still a bargain. He's probably worth Mm -hmm. at least 200 mil plus right now. And he could be the most expensive player of all time. His next transfer could blow one out of the water. So I hope you don't disagree, but it seems like an obvious one. No, I, I completely agree. He is a genuine superstar at 22, isn't he? Like a genuine world superstar. And I almost feel like he's going to, he's, he's, the attention's more on him this season than Mbappe, which is nuts. Mm-hmm. But you just feel like Haaland has surpassed Mbappe almost in terms of just kind of coverage and his impact and you know part of that is stepping up to a Premier League team like City um, also you know getting to the Champions League and being pretty crucial in the run to the Champions League as well I know he wasn't amazing against Madrid um, but yeah yeah it's really hard to disagree it's it's a shame it's a real shame I'd love him to be being a villain and a flop but he's just not <laughs> so yeah. me too mate but just, you just can't can't argue with it. Um, and then the villain for me for Man City, it's actually quite hard to choose one because there's not an obvious candidate because they had such a good season. But it's hard to look past Calvin Phillips as a bit of a villain in this Ooh. season. And I think the dagger in with her. Yeah, well, let's let's explore let's explore this whole signing. Right, their transfer policy, cities over the last two summers was homegrown players, right. And we know exactly why that is, because they don't have any. Um, so they bought Grealish last summer. They bought Ake, who counts as homegrown, and Phillips this summer. They got rid of Sterling. I had a look at their squad. They're right on the limit of eight homegrown players. And so in that regard, Calvin Phillips has, has been a great success because he's helped mm-hmm. them 
meet that quota. And there's very few English players who are good enough to be in City squads. So that is why he's there, basically. On the flip side, he's also been called fat by Guardiola. He's played 595 <laughs> minutes across all comps, which is six and a half starts, and he costs 50 mil. So villainous, I'd say. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's hard to choose a villain for Man City, isn't it? Because they've just been so good. I mean, you could say that their ownership so a bit villainous, if, if we're being mm, really... Too easy, though. That's too easy, isn't it? Thing. Too yeah. fucking easy. Yeah, I mean, Calvin Phillips, rightly so. It's just been non-existent. Like, in the Euros, he was a top player, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, highly rated player. But, yeah, it just really hasn't done well. But then also, you know what it's like, first season under Pep... Takes a little bit of bedding in, and he hasn't really had the opportunity. But why would you in a midfield that's got Rodri, De Bruyne, Gundogan? You know what I mean? Like you're not going to be a starter, and I think he probably knew that when he signed. But first Premier League trophy? Does he get a Premier League trophy? Has he played? Has he even played five games? He's played no. He hasn't played five games in the Prem. I don't think. Well, then does he, he qualify for five? I'm not really sure. I don't remember what the rules are. They might have changed. It might just be one now. One appearance. Could be one now, yeah. It was 10 before, and then it was five. Yeah. I and think there was contentious people one. who missed out, like people who scored a goal that won a game and didn't get a winner's medal. So it might just be one now. I mean, that makes sense. I, you know, I, I would prefer that. I think it's a bit harsh, isn't it? Especially in this day mm-hmm. and age where squads are so so competitive. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, I'll give you I'll give you that. I've nothing to say. So I'm doing Arsenal. Great. Um, too easy yeah too easy right so hero extremely hard decision but I'm going to give it to Martin Odegaard the Kai I'm sorry it was a hard decision between the two it really was Um, I just feel like Odegaard this season has hit new levels Um, especially in the the early part of the season he's just been terrific I know you kind of tailed off as the rest of the Arsenal team did towards the end of the season but you know, he's really led from the front. And I think everyone at one point was like, he's the best midfielder in the Premier League, which is no mean feat. Mm-hmm. Most goals scored from outside the box this season. Kevin, eat your fucking heart out, son. We'll take that. Um, and then I want to just remind everyone of that t- that slide tackle backhill trick that he did against Everton. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a man of moments. And it's been a real pleasure watching him. So you're my hero, Martin. Now that's a tough one, but I think you've made the right decision there. He has been unreal. What he's done this season is elevate himself into the potentially the best Arsenal player conversation because he wasn't at the start of the summer. That was obviously Saka, and now it's hard to say really. There's quite a few candidates. So yeah, he's had a proper breakout season, and he's he's fucking good at football. Mm. But honourable mention to Bakaya, he's had a great season too. It's just. It would have been too easy to have chosen you. Um, mm-hmm. Right. Villain. It's a hard one, this one. Usually it would go to our boy Granite, but he's had his redemption story this season, <laughs> so you can't actually give it to him in good faith. Uh, but there is a there is one candidate that sticks out in this Arsenal squad, and his name is Benjamin White. Yes, Arsenal's very <gasps> own shithouse. Yes, yes. I mean, villain in the sense of he is just a villain, isn't he? He's a villain on the pitch. <laughs> From squaring up to Foden to chasing after Gemma Collins when he was younger. This guy's a menace. He's a fucking menace, you know? Um, I don't know if you watched some of his interviews this season, but it's the bluntest guy in the world. Just doesn't give a shit. Doesn't care. He and he's yeah, he doesn't like football, does he? And it really shows. 
he's fucking he's got he's almost got like resentment to it at times that he has to do anything other than just play it for 90 minutes if you try and bring him into anything yeah. else like interviews you can tell he's just seething inside well I mean let's not forget he came home from the World Cup because he couldn't be bothered so true villain um, and yes the guy that doesn't love football just makes me love him even more you know it must annoy people that he's so good at football and yet doesn't give a shit it's just a fucking day job to him so I'll give it to you Ben in the nicest way possible um, you know you're a villain after my own heart you're one of those kind of antagonists that we're all rooting for so there you go that's my villain anti-hero the anti-hero I like that. of football it's a, it's a good it's a good I mean I thought you were going to say Rob Holding so I rate that You've spared Rob Holding any further. Oh, he was close, Brief. but I don't, I didn't want to bully Rob any more than, you know, he already probably feels bad for how bad mm. he is. Um, I'm sure Rob listens to his podcast every week and I wouldn't want him to stop listening just because I called him a villain. That's true, mate. He he is a big fan. He is a big fan of From the Backseat. He tweets about it sometimes, I'm pretty sure. Oh, I'm pretty don't sure. Check us. I'm pretty sure. Just, just no, take a word for it. Just take a word for it. Yeah, I think he's yeah, deleted them, actually. It. Yeah, uh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, we also we also take him down. Yeah, 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 yeah. Us, you know? Yeah, exactly. We like to exactly. be, we like to be like, under the radar. We don't need that kind of coverage. So no, exactly. Anyway, Manchester United hero Ooh. for me. Obvious choice was Rashford. Everyone says Rashford. I don't agree. I think it's Eric Ten Hag, and the reason for that is Man United were not a serious team at any point since about 2015 until now. And he's come in, everyone said his job was impossible, got smashed 4-0 by Brentford, and you're like, oh dear, here we go. But overall, you feel like he's managed to create actual momentum in an upwards trajectory for the first time ever, as opposed to just floating along and being mediocre. Even if the points aren't that different from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you feel the momentum, like they're going up, right? You feel like they deserve to be in the top four. He's won a trophy, he's got top four, he's turned Marcus Rashford's into the version of Marcus Rashford we always hoped he could be. He got rid of Ronaldo. He's phasing out Harry Maguire. Like, without him, Rashford doesn't have this season. Man United don't have this season. I think he's the real catalyst for all this change. Um, And so for me, he deserves the credit. Fair enough. Yeah, I think I agree. Two cup finals as well. Definitely progress Mm -hmm. from last season. And he's not done with that squad. I think there's a lot more he wants to do of that squad question marks of 100 mil and Anthony was it worth it I don't think so but shouldn't be a stick to beat him with allegedly allegedly yeah that was a pretty rogue transfer but you know what it is what it is rather him than me it is what it is it is what it is right um, fair enough yeah I'll give you that Ten Hag has turned it around United and I don't think any United fans feeling negative about this season so yeah nah for the first time ever, I think they're looking forward to the summer and next season. It's been a long time, which is nice. Uh, villain. Some people disagree, but it has to be Ronaldo for me. Ever since he did that interview Ooh. with Piers Morgan, that is villain behaviour. To align yourself with Piers Morgan makes you a bad person, generally. Piers Morgan's not a good person. He's a villain. Arguably, he's like big boss villain on some levels because he is just a horrible person. So, Ronaldo, big baby, narcissist. Some people still love him. He's got a good cult. But it suits him being the poster boy of the Saudi league, you know? There's all the money. It's a bit soulless. It's for him. It's for him over there. 
And look how much players like Rashford and Garnacho have flourished in his absence. Mm. Man United fans, none of you should ever want him back. That was that was a season too long. And for me, big villain vibes from Ronnie. Yeah, hard to argue. Hard to argue as well that what United's form pre-Ronaldo and post-Ronaldo leaving is unquestionable, isn't it? Um, his time had just come. It always felt like a weird transfer. Really, mm-hmm. he should have gone to City. You know, he should have just fucked his legacy at United and gone to City for a season and just won it all and scored loads of goals. He would have been fantastic under Guardiola. I am positive of that. And from the outset, they signed him for all the wrong reasons. So, yeah, sad end, Thanks. but... It is what it is. Oh. Pardon me, lads. I've picked up a very naughty cough in the last couple of days. And yeah, I'm struggling. I'm struggling here. Right. I got Newcastle. So, great. Right. Here. I wonder who the villains are going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I was quite happy I got Newcastle. Yeah, it's only one person. No, we're coming back. Hero, I've given it to Bruno Gimarish. Yes, not sure how a Brazilian from Rio has managed to bond with the Geordie fan base this whilst, but I think he really epitomises everything that this Newcastle side have become, which is ambitious, hungry, um, tenacious, all these buzzwords about mentality, but he's a fantastic midfielder. And I think it speaks volumes that there's no question that he's going to sign a new deal at Newcastle rather than go to Real Madrid or Barca where they would easily sign him. Um, he must be loving it up there and they must be loving him too, and they do. Um, but it's a really worrying sight for rival fans because I honestly thought, you know, oh, Brazilians aren't going to like fucking Tyneside. He is. He is. He's thriving up there. And if he's going to be the kind of calibre of player they bring in, then fuck me, we're, we're, we're ruined. Like, the rest of the league should be sweating because he could he could walk into any team. I, I truly believe that. He could walk into any team in the league. And, yeah, he's class. I, I literally haven't got a bad word to say about him. He's a great player. Um, and him signing a new deal has absolutely nothing to do with Saudi money. I don't know who suggested that. That's outrageous. It's nothing to do with that. He's not getting 50 <laughs> mil under the table untaxed. That's that's not true. So absolutely not. It's there. all about the love. It's all about, it's the, about love. the love, the history. I heard that when he was in the slums in Rio, he wore a, uh, a Newcastle shirt with Shearer's name on the back. I heard that too, actually. I think there's videos of him doing Shearer's celebration. I've heard that. (laughs) (laughs) Such a dry celebration, by the way. That is truly (laughs) the worst celebration. It's so far from iconic. Iconic. Stand up. Yep, that was me. (laughs) Someone should bring that back. Yeah, to be fair, classic. I think that's a great pick. I think that's a great pick. Yeah. Now, villain again. I could choose Saudi Arabia if I was being really controversial, but I'm not. Because there it's is one man and one man only deserving of this award. And his name <laughs> is Jason Tyndall. Now, some of you may not even know who Jason Tyndall is, but let me tell you, Jason Tyndall knows who Jason fucking Tyndall is. All right? Assistant <laughs> yes, manager to Eddie Howe, but more like usurper. He's the Judas to Eddie Howe Jesus. You know what I mean? The guy is there to stab back. I don't know if you've seen him. He's there trying to get the handshake in after the game. Before Eddie Howe. Before Eddie Howe, like the gall of this guy knows no bounds. And if you don't believe me, right, if you don't fucking believe me about this, then the Twitter account aptly named Jason, T- Jason Pindle, desperate to be centre of attention, 
has just under 57,000 followers this season, which means that I'm not alone in thinking that this guy is a Class A wanker. Now, Gary O'Neill from Bournemouth quite rightly aired him when he went for the handshake first, and you should watch that on YouTube if you haven't seen that, because Jason can't believe it that someone would disrespect him. <laughs> he is not the main man at Newcastle. That someone would choose to shake hands with the actual manager before Jason. Um, so that is brilliant. Um, I don't know if anyone else has seen it, because every fucking time, can I add, in the post-match dressing room team photos, honestly, Jack, I don't know if you've noticed this, mate, every dressing room photo look to the centre, like, and I mean like like a scientific centre, like if you were to draw the lines and like mathematically figure it out, Jason Tindall's mug is always there, right, in front and centre. The guy, the guy, the guy, <laughs> just get out. this guy, this guy, oh. man, just can't get himself out of the limelight. And then when they interviewed him about all the attention he was getting, you know what he said? People were what? jealous. People were jealous. Oh, my oh, God. I can't believe this guy. <laughs> oh, my God. He sounds like he's like an LA, like, celebrity, you know, or influencer. He's like, People are just jealous of me. They yeah. wish they could be yeah. me. But no one can be Jace. So, no one can be Jace. No. So there you are. Jason Tindall, the absolute villain up in Newcastle. And the guy, the guy needs to be stopped. Stop shaking his hands, everyone. It's outrageous. Who yeah. is this man? So yeah, there you go. Well, now people are aware of it. I wonder if people are going to make a, make a byline to go straight past him, no matter what. No matter how much he tries to get in They should. Way. I mean, Gary O'Neill did it. It's so it good. Beautiful. So, everyone, keep yeah. up that energy. It is truly astounding. But if you haven't followed the Twitter account as well, guys, it's maybe one of the best football Twitter accounts currently out there. It's fucking hilarious, to be honest. Like, well done, admin, for that account, because that was that's brilliant. Um, They've seen opportunities yeah. they're taking it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to check it out after this, because I... I'm not I'm not as well versed on just how much of a massive wanker Jason Tindall Mate, is. So just go through Jason Tindall centre of attention. Right. I've followed him on, on, on Twitter, so it should come up quite easy for us. And just, just scroll through the timeline, mate. It's just so funny. It's actually so funny. And it's such a niche, random thing to focus on. <laughs> yeah. So and the fact that there's enough content to make it a regular theme. I'm excited. Oh, you should. You should. It's uh, it's definitely a good one to watch. So there you go. All right, Jack. Who have you got? Well, I've got Liverpool, obviously. Hero. I'm not going to lie, mate. I was, I was trying to think. I was like, who the hell is the hero this year? And I was like, no one deserves it. No one deserves it. I almost put Pachetic in there simply because he had oh an okay God. season. Wow. Yeah. But then I realised I'd overlooked someone. Maybe we've all overlooked him this season, and that is Allison. Holy shit. He has saved our season. Even though we're fifth, really has. without Alisson, we're 10th. He's unreal. Mm. I don't think people understand how good he's been this season because we've conceded a lot of goals, but his expected goals conceded this season is 10. So he has saved 10 goals that most keepers in the Prem would have let in. And in that, in that scale... The next best is four. So he is so clear of every other goalie and he's having to work really, really hard this season. And in an ideal world, it's just like when David De Gea wins uh, like the Golden Glove. In an ideal world, you don't want your goalie being the centre of attention. But for me, it's clear he's the best goalkeeper I've ever seen at Liverpool. This was a great season from him. And I think he's top three goalies in the world, if not top one for me. He's just got it all. He's got it all. He's got all the physical qualities, the ball playing. And he's got that like 
that aura where you're like, oh my God, he's massive. I'm not going to score. He makes he makes people shit themselves. And I, I'm just so grateful. I'm just so grateful that he's here because this could have been a truly Tottenham or Chelsea season for us otherwise. It would have been nice to have seen the stats, wouldn't it? If if Alisson, mind you, that doesn't really quantify anything because then you're just looking, no, that's a stupid stat, so I just ignore me, just ignore me. But he's definitely saved you at least 12 points this season just from the amount of goals that he saved. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's hard to argue. I can't think of a single Liverpool player that is uh, really deserving of a hero award. No, no, agreed. Um, in terms of villain, there was a lot. There was a long list of potential candidates, you know. Easy ones. I mean, Darwin Nunes was very close to getting it. Just because who he is, what he costs, is he good, is he shit? Just, he's just a There's villain. There's definitely a villain. Lord of Chaos. Yeah. Yeah. But then I, I had a proper thing, and I was like, you know what? It's got to be Pep Linders. It's got to be Pep Linders. There's something about him that I don't like, fundamentally, which may have swayed me. I just don't like his face. I think he's a little, mm. he's a little brown noser. He's brown noses his way into assistant manager role. I'm not sure if he's good enough to be an assistant manager at Liverpool. Um, but then he has the audacity to go and publish a book called Intensity Inside Liverpool last summer, which gave every single other team in the world, as well as everyone in the world in general, a direct thesis and breakdown of Liverpool's pressing and tactical thinking. Now, I don't think current football managers or coaches publish books based on what they're currently doing in real, in real life while they're still working. I believe that that's what you do when you retire or you have an autobiography that's more about your life. So it's very hard to quantify how much of an impact that really had, but what a pretentious wanker to just go and publish that just to be all about me. I mean, the intensity thing is not about him. He's not the main character here. He is just doing whatever Jürgen Klopp tells him to do. So I don't really understand that. a bit of Jason Tindall in him. I think so, because he did go and be manager of Go Ahead Eagles, and I think he lost pretty much all the games and then came crawling back to Liverpool. So there is someone in there who wants to break free, but he's not that guy. And when he does stuff like this, it just makes me dislike him so much more. I've noticed he chirps up a lot when you win in, but I haven't heard much from him this season, to be honest. Um, So, yeah, he's definitely a kind of sing-when-you're-winning kind of guy. I'd like to give an Mm -hmm. honourable mention... I guess it didn't happen this season, so it wouldn't apply to this to this kind of awards. But I do think the biggest villain for Liverpool is Jurgen Klopp's eye surgery, because it's ever since he's ditched the glasses, it's just gone downhill. He's gone from a nice, charming German bloke to just a bit of a wanker, isn't he? And it's all kind of fallen apart. So between Pep and the laser eye surgery, I think these are the main problems that Liverpool need to address in the summer. So, bring the undo the eye surgery is what you're suggesting. Yeah, get a refund, get your eyes burnt. No, 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 you think I'm joking? Think, think about it. Jurgen Klopp, 2019, mm. win the Champions League with the glasses, the silver and glasses. Never be more popular. Unanimous, best coach in the world. Wasn't even a question. Forget that. Post eye surgery, suddenly he's just a grouchy old man. So, I don't know. There is Call something in it. Yeah, Mate, there is something in that. There's something there's in that. Something I'm not there. sure what it is, but there's something in that for sure. There's something there, right? I next have Brighton. So the hero, Deserby, he's come in. He's made Brighton Easy. sexy, so very sexy. Yeah. Maybe one of the sexiest teams in the league. Um, he has, you know, the classic aura of a wanker. 
he wears all black. So, you know, presumably mm-hmm. he's going to go places and be one of the most desired managers in a few years. He, he ticks every box, really, of what we want from a modern manager. Um, and yeah, you know, he's just brilliant, isn't he? He's just great. He's, he's, he's taken his Brighton team to new heights and there could be so many heroes from, from Brighton season, but I think it's all down to the style of football that he's implemented that has enabled all these players. So I think we have to give credit where it's due. Yeah, I'd agree with that. He's not only steadied the ship, he's put new sails on it, he's got everyone aligned and they are better than ever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So anyway, on to the villain. It can only be Graham Potter. Little bastard. So Left hard. Brighton while riding hard <laughs> his good work at the South Coast Club. Left them for Chelsea, who had him marked out as their man under the new ownership. He had a glow up, he grew a beard, and then he thanked Chelsea as a club. He aged about five years and six months, and then he watched as Deserby improved his Brighton team immediately. <laughs> so uh, Graham Potton has not had a great season, but he's got a new trim and he's got a nice beard, as well as a nice payoff for Chelsea. Al- so, let me ask you a question. He mm. put on the turtleneck. But did he did he really own the turtleneck? No. He tried to manifest being a turtleneck wanker, but Yeah. It didn't fit. He's a tracksuit manager. No, from the start he 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 tried to place himself in the wrong place. You know? Take the turtleneck off, Graham. Save it for the wankers. Save it for the continental guys. See what he's lacking. When you don the turtleneck you have to not just be a tactician. You have to be a bit of a naughty bastard as well. You have to be a bit horrible sometimes. The two go hand in hand. Right. It's very misleading, the turtleneck. It you is. Have to be, I mean, Graham you have Potter, to have the arrogance, you know? He is the physical football embodiment of nice guys finish last, unfortunately. And <laughs> he has. Oh, he has. Oh, he has. <laughs> so, sorry, GP. I heard he's like on an island and like fucking... Indonesia or something, just collecting his thoughts while crying into his 20 mil. And you have no one to blame but yourself, mate. You have no one to blame but yourself. You know what happened to Graham is basically like, you know, he, he thought he found someone like a more beautiful wife in Chelsea, but he should mm-hmm. never have left his, his, his actual true love, which was Brighton and Hove Albion. Yeah. And, and now Deserby no is smashing it. Deserby is smashing it every week. And he has to sit there and watch as the new man comes and takes his wife. <laughs> Really he knows he checks out, mate, and he's just sitting there watching from the other side of the crying. street. It's a Zerbi. Yeah. Zerbi just looks at him and goes, mm-hmm. Yep, that's yeah, right. Exactly. This is mine now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, so, uh, that's me. Right. You'll go. Yeah. On to Villa. Right. There can only be one. There's only one hero. He lives on the moon. He's the top don. He would have been very unhappy watching Sevilla win the Europa League. But who else could it be but Don Unai? When he took over, Villa was 17th. They were they were honestly god-awful at football. And he's led them to Europa Conference League qualification. And the heady heights of 7th. So up 10 places. They're formed during the period from him starting to the end of the season. Cool top four kind of form. So will they kick on? Of course, they're going to kick on. Villa have got big dreams, big ambitions, big money. Villa could be a solid Europa League outfit every season. And he's the best signing Villa have made since joining the Premier League. And he's just a fucking great character. He's a villain, but now he's like an anti-villain. He's like, who's the guy in Minions who's a villain, but he turns oh, out to be a good his name? guy? Oh, we're too fucking old. You know who I'm talking about. What's his name? Yeah. The guy with the big nose. 
the guy with the big nose who actually, I think he actually destroys the moon at one point. Gru. He's Gru. Gru. He's lovable villain who's turned good. And that is, that is Unai. Yeah, well, I mean, he should be the villain too, right? I think he might actually class for both categories this time. We could feasibly have have a double, but <laughs> look at this. Sorry, listen, this, this is going to sound weird, but he's just puppeteering his cat. He's obsessed with his cat, to be fair. If he had to choose between this podcast and the cat, it would be a very lonely pod, this that. <laughs> tell you what, she is the villain of this pod, I tell you. <laughs> it's yeah, really, she really is. Did you see that? Did you just see that face though? <laughs> yeah, it's just fucking cute to be fair. <laughs> oh, anyway, this is bad content. Without the visual aids, it's yeah. bad content. Um, the other villain, apart from the obvious, the Don, is Coutinho. <laughs> it pains me to say yeah. it. This is what you get when you leave Liverpool. Nothing good comes of it. Look at Mane this season. Look at Coutinho. Who has left Liverpool under Klopp? and flourished no money and mm. Coutinho has never recovered from being passed around Europe as a sort of unwanted expensive little toy that no one really could find a place for his first permanent home after a long time is Villa he's only 30 but a very Gerard indulgent signing and he hasn't started in 12 matches and guess how much money he's on until 2026 2026 125k a week Good luck getting rid of him. Are you 26? He's 33? Jesus. Jesus. Well, it's lucky Villa are rich, because that will be bad. That is bad. Mm -hmm. You're right. Okay. I've got Tottenham. Now, there's only one hero for the Spurs. His name is Harry Bloody Kane. 30 goals Mm -hmm. for the big man. Cements his status as arguably one of the best strikers in the world behind the robot. Um... And, you know, he single-handedly drags Tottenham up the table where they don't deserve to be. They deserve to be around 10th or 12th if you base it off the rest of their performances within the squad. But Harry Kane has papered over the cracks once again. Now, he could turn villain mm-hmm. in a couple of months should he turn his back on the Spurs. Still unsure about what's going to happen there. United and Bayern seem to be the most likely options at this time. But for now, he's a Spurs player, their best player, and he's their hero. Now, the villain was nice and easy. Oh, don't you start again. Oh, don't you start again. Sorry, guys. <laughs> Sorry. Cats is calling Howie. Villain, Daniel Levy, of course. Who else? Who else? He, He's he actually does look like Groot. Season. He actually does look like Groot. Yes, he does. He does. And he looks like a villain. So yeah, he's completely ballsed it this season and faith in his stewardship has never been lower amongst the Spurs faithful, which is saying something. He's currently ballsing up another manager search, so you know, don't be surprised if Ryan Mason, the acting head coach, my favourite title in football, returns to the dugout come August for the season starter, uh, the way it's going. Or as Jack says, Brendan Rodgers, which I'm sure many people will be so excited about. Uh, yeah, it's a short and sweet. I don't really have much more to say about Spurs because I don't like them. Here you got, Jack. That's totally fair. No, don't disagree. So I've got Brentford and, you know, it's unfortunate that the hero that I originally had has turned villain. So we'll get onto him in a minute. No, no prizes for guessing who that is. So I've gone for a slightly different one. My hero is Ben Mee. And I'm just going to take you on a journey of why he's fucking great lads, basically. Ben Mee, Mr. Burnley, never, ever played expansive football in his life. Signed on a free transfer from Burnley after they got relegated in the summer. Interesting. 
How does he fit in? Is this going to work? 32 years old, last lucrative contract of his career. Took a very modest 55k a week to join Brookford. Not too crazy. Could have probably got closer to 100, realistically. And what does he go and do? Makes the most Premier League appearances for Brentford this season. He's played in all of their games but one and has been generally excellent, including ball playing, helping to get them to their highest ever finish of ninth. So I think he's been one of the signings of the season and I just love to see it really, just to see what he's really about outside of Burnley and Sean Dyche. It turns out he's extremely good at football. Nice. I agree. Ben Mee has been pretty solid for them and also a big part of their set-piece routines early in the season. So, yes, I agree. Now, yes. Fulham, for you, the final of wait, the wait. section. Wait, wait, wait. Whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, 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 whoa. We've got to do a villain. We've got to do a villain of Brentford. Whoa, oh, shit, there. sorry. Whoa, My bad. There. My bad. Can you, can you guess who it is? It's Ivan Tony. Of course you can. Of course, of course. you can. Listen. Everyone could guess. I didn't want to do this because I feel bad, but at the end of the day, being Brentford's top scorer... And then getting an 8th month band for betting is not a great look. It's pretty inexcusable. The only positive I can see from this whole thing is that he's staying at Brentford. Ain't nobody going to try and buy him anytime soon. So that's a nice thing. Will he be fit next season? No. Will he score goals? Probably yes when he comes back. So villainous behaviour, particularly betting on Brentford to lose when he wasn't playing in the team. That smacks of a... Either hedging your bets, because we've all bet against our own team, so that whatever the outcome, either we get the points or we get the money. We've done that before. Or it just smacks of him saying, without me, they're just shit, so they're probably going to lose. Yeah. And I could see either of those scenarios. Either of those could be true. And yeah, unfortunately, what should be a really good season for Ivan has just turned into an absolute shit show and it'd be interesting as you say to see how it turns out with his return to football looks like the club backing him so you know rest up Ivan kick the habit and we'll see you next season lad now Mm -hmm. Fulham are we good? we're going to Fulham hero I'll be honest I haven't been following Fulham that much but I've got one man in mind who I really appreciated this season cat get out of the way Paulinho now Mm -hmm. same story I have a good colleague who works in Lisbon. His name's Afonso. Shout out, Afonso. And he's an avid sporting Lisbon fan. Obviously, we almost came to blows over the Europa League final, quarterfinal even, where they brutally <laughs> murdered Saliba and ruined our season. And scored 45-yarder. Fuckers. But he told me, when Paulinho signed, I told him that he signed for Fulham and asked him for his views on him. He was like, what? What? That's fresh team? What? Because he felt Paulinho was a step above. And actually, he definitely is. Paulinho actually has some of the best defensive stats in the league. Mm-hmm. And if anyone who watches him play, he's an absolute chopper. He's got long legs. He loves a slide tackle. He's a big lad. Scores some important goals too. And they'll be very happy if they can keep hold of Huao over the summer for them, I imagine. And yeah, he's proved me an astute little signing. So that is my hero. Now, Willem, it's very easy, this one. It's been a good season for Fulham but there's only one player that deserves the title. His name is Mitrovic. Uh, and I'll tell you why, anyone who needs context, this is mainly down to his downright villainy of pushing a referee at Old Trafford after the referee mm. once again you know, gave a questionable decision in favour of United because they are absolutely not biased towards United. No, they are not 
biased towards United. I cannot believe you would suggest that. What do you mean more than half of PL preferees, referees are from Greater Manchester? It's just a coincidence. They're not fucking biased towards United. Anyway, it resulted in a nine-match ban. To read into that what you will. Um, and yeah, he, scored, he missed a couple of penalties as well. So just... Not, not just a couple, around. mate. The most ever by anyone in all one right, season. Right. It's no need to be mean, mate. Villainous behaviour. Villainous behaviour. You need characters like that, but he is... So really, the real villains are the PGMOL of the season, right? Facts. These guys just operating out of Manchester and anything Manchester United related, they're just giving it. Just fucking giving it. So... There's me. That's me done. Actually, on my section. I don't. Think, have you got more? Now? Yeah, that's no, mate. That's us done. That's that's a wrap. So we will do the other half of those um, next week, along with Champions League final, maybe the Conference League final. Give a shout out to West Ham, especially if they win it. We'll definitely cover them. We'll do it for Nobby. Nobby will do it for us. Mm-hmm. And uh, not Nobby, Nolsey, Nolsey. Speaking of Nolsey, by the way, before we wrap up, for anyone who's unaware, Nolsey is that that old West Ham fan who beat down about a thousand Alkmeer teenagers. He was like one man. He was like 300, just the one man wall of 300. West Ham! (laughs) But they've released uh, an action figure of him. And I think that's too far now. This is too far. There was no need for that. But, yeah, can't wait to see how that plays out. Hopefully he makes an appearance in that game as well. A real hero to end our pod. That's sick. That's so funny. Cool. That was good. That was fun. So, guys, as always, thanks for listening. As you can tell, we're, we're trying to find content somewhere. Somewhere. And so we'll carry and on. We will. We will. We should. We will. So yeah, thanks for listening. We'll be back next week, like Jack said. I ain't going to tell you what we're doing because he's just told you. Have a good week. Hopefully City don't win the treble. Make sure you say your prayers this week if you're religious. Um, and if you're into, you know, voodoo, maybe put it on City. Just saying. Now's the time. Call Pogba. Get in touch with your brother, mate. It's oh, time. Paul. Yeah, I've done a lot this season, Paul. Do it for everyone. Can do this you're an ex-Man United player. Come on, my man. Yeah. Get the voodoo. Get the voodoo going. Get the doll out. Get the bull doll out. Put Pep in a wheelchair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you yeah. later.